there's nothing like a cute uh, kid video, right? I went around last week and just got filmed the kids in there. Um, and, and gosh, you got to love kids, right? So there's little Noah. You know, Noah uh, Lair is sitting there, and he's just giving this little heartfelt thing about how, what he likes about his parents. And Tyler's in the background all... You know, like a little knucklehead. <laughs> and two of those kids, two of those kids were my kiddos. Um, my wife and I, we've been married for, for 17 years. And um, my son, Oli, he's 10. He's in fifth grade. Uh, he was the one that apparently his favorite thing about his parents is that we give him more sweets after he's already had a lot of sweets. So um, I don't know what, I'm, I'm talking about parenting today. So either listen or don't. Um, I guess I'm, we're not doing that. Yeah, trick-or-treat's coming up. Trick-or-treating's coming up. His candy's going missing. All right, I'm just going to say that right now. All right, I already told him. Tell you what. And then our daughter, B, she's eight. Uh, she is a sweet little girl. And um, she, you know, said the thing that she likes the most about her parents is, is that we love her uh, in everything that she does. So after the service today, definitely going to pay her handsomely uh, for saying the right thing, <laughs> you know, on the video. Uh, today, we're going to continue our series about family and, and focusing specifically on the relationship between parents and children. And so I just want to catch you up if you've missed the last couple weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Steve talked about just in general how we treat each other and our relationships with each other uh, in the family dynamic. And then last week, Steve, he, he really did a great job of, of unpacking what it looks like as a husband and a wife and, and, and mutual submission between husband and wife and um, what that looked like. Again, he did a great job. If, if you missed one of those uh, messages, like Lindsay said earlier, go check out our podcast. Um, they, they were spot on. Steve did a great job of, of doing those those two messages. And, and so why are we talking about family, though? Why are we, why are we diving into this topic on, on family? Um, and I just would, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I just was thinking, like, look around. Like, look around. Like, our world, more and more, uh, there, there are just, there, people treat each other terrible, um, just on a regular basis. I mean, you can just, you can watch the news for five minutes, and you just listen to all the crime and all the stuff. Like, people don't treat each other well. Uh, especially in families. You hear about things that happen within families, and it's like, man, it's, like, it's heartbreaking. Um, our marriages in this country are, are under attack. Our marriages in this city are, are under attack. And, and kids, our kids are facing things. You know, you and I think we faced some hard things when we were in middle school um, and high school. Like, no, our kids are facing things that are, that are crazy, and, and, and they're facing them at, at younger and younger ages, unfortunately. So I think a series like this series that we're in right now, this, this one another, and how do we treat one another, and how do we live as a family, um, both, you know, like just as our physical, you know, uh, what does he call it, our, our, you know, our bloodline family, but then as a church family, how do we, how do we act and behave and, and, and love each other and show each other that we, that we genuinely care about each other? Um, I want to point out, though, too, that just because this message is on parents and children, if you don't have children, that doesn't mean that you can check out of this message. Uh, this message actually for sure applies to adult children. Um, if you look at the context of this passage, Ephesians, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, uh, 6 today, um, Paul was actually writing to um, adults. He wasn't writing to kids. It wasn't like, hey, kids, come to church this Sunday, and this is going to be Paul, and he's going to be talking about you know, kids and how you should behave. No, it was actually, he was talking to adults, and it was more along the lines of, hey, adults, how are you treating your parents? If you still have parents, are you still honoring your parents? Are you still loving your parents? Are you taking care of your elderly parents? Jesus talked about that too, right? Taking care of the elderly and the widowed. Like, that's a theme that happens all throughout Scripture. We see that from, from the very beginning all the way through, you know, this writing here in Paul. Uh, or, sorry, in Ephesians. Um, and, and really the main theme of this series is this, that mutual submission is not that right there. 
There it is. Mutual submission is foundational for every healthy relationship. And again, this week we're going to be talking about kids and parents. And this idea that family life improves when kids and parents both see their obligations as opportunities. Um, you know, I know for me, when, when my kids, uh, specifically when things like, you know, birthday parties, for instance, like sometimes birthday parties just feel like an obligation, right? It's one of those things where we've gone through seasons of, of time where it's like birthday party after birthday party after birthday party, which means a trip to Walmart, which means a trip to Target, which means shopping on Amazon, and did we get a gift bag, and then did we, you know, did you make a birthday card, and is it the right birthday card, and is it the right gift, and, and then you got to go schlep the kid to the birthday party for two hours, and then, you know what I mean? And it just becomes an obligation, Instead of an opportunity to maybe sit down with other parents that are going through the same thing as you <laughs> and talk to them or maybe, you know, build relationships. So, I mean, I have two kids, like I mentioned before. Maybe it's taking the, you know, the one kid to the birthday party and looking at the opportunity to take the other on a, just a special one-on-one date just to go hang out and one-on-one. Um, I know when I was a soccer coach for my son's soccer team, at first it, it started out as an opportunity, right? It was like, yeah, this is an opportunity to get to teach these little, these little guys soccer and, you know, more about life and all that stuff. And then towards the end of the season, it was like, got to get up on a Saturday again. We got to go spend three hours at the soccer field. Oh, yeah, and we got to go to practice twice. And it becomes more of an obligation than an opportunity. And I think... Um, we need to, you know, start looking at, uh, you know, our, our family life, our family dynamic. It improves when we look at, at our, our kids and our parents and, and, you know, our relationships as, as more of an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity to expand our relationships rather than um, an obligation. See, to grasp that and to, and to put that into practice, we need to ask this question. What is God's design for my family how did God set this family thing up to work, right? Because if we think about it, like, let's be honest, family can be messy. Unfortunately, um, when kids are born, there's not an instruction book that comes tied to the toe of the baby, right? That would be amazing where you could just open it up and be like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to raise my kid. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do when they cry. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do when they throw a temper tantrum. Oh, this is what they're supposed to eat, right? But that doesn't happen. And, and every single kid... All of us, look, at our, look around, like all of us are different and unique and, and, and we're individuals and, and every kid that's born is the same way. And, and on the flip side of that, when as kids, as we're growing up and we were, we were kids once and now we're adults, like there's not an instruction book on how to treat your parents necessarily, right? How to treat your old, aging parents. Um, all of a sudden, you know, like I'm, you know, the parents are forgetting things more or, or, you know, they're a little slower sometimes. And it's like, well, how do you deal with that? How do you take, take care of that? I'm looking at Michael over here who's looking at his dad. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Sorry, but I didn't mean to call you out. <laughs> but, but that was perfect. <laughs> Point exactly. So what is this design? What is God's design for, for my family? And um, I think, you know, again, it can get messy, but God gives us some, some really good instructions in, in this passage in Ephesians. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and do that. If you're on your phones, you can do that as well. Um, yeah, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's cool. I'll read it for sure. I'll give you a second to get there. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that, it may be, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, the first part of this is, is kids. Learning obedience sets you up for success. 
So as kids, we all learned what obedience was, hopefully, at a young age. Some of us maybe are still learning this, uh, what it means to be obedient. But when your parents told you not to do something growing up, it was most likely because they were trying to train you. They were trying to help you, right? Don't put that in your mouth, okay? That's one of those things where you're going to choke on it as a baby. Like, don't, you know, as, and, you know, don't, you know, make sure you look uh, both ways when you're crossing the street. You're, you're, you know, our parents were training us to, to do that. Um, and, and by our parents training us and helping us understand what it means to obey, this sets us up to understand what it means to submit our lives eventually to, to God, what it means to submit our lives to our, to our government, our workplace, our teachers, our authorities that are placed in our life. See, obedience is about setting up, or sorry, obedience is about submitting my will to a higher authority. And as adults, we need that skill to function in our society. We need to submit to, to governmental authority. We need to submit to the rules of the road and driving. Um, we need to submit to the laws that are, that are put in place for society's benefit, right? And then never mind developing this life that submits to Christ altogether. See, parents, um, we need to help our kids learn and understand what that looks like in our lives. If we don't, We've got chaos, right? I mean, think about when somebody, um, somebody's flying by you on the freeway, not obeying the rules of the road. It kind of makes everybody, you know, nervous. Or when somebody runs a, a stop sign, or, you know, we have, again, these laws that are put into place, and they're really there for our safety. They're really there to help our society be a better place. And when those laws are broken, and we don't understand why we have those laws, man, chaos ensues. The first part of this passage, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. A lot of times, um, this is where we stop with this passage, right? We don't unpack the rest of it. Uh, but, but Scripture says this here, and there really, there are two responsibilities. Parents, raise your kids in a way that is good and pleasing to the Lord. And when that happens, kids then understand the way they should live. They understand the way they should behave and the way they, they should act. See, parenting in its rawest sense is, is about training those kiddos to help them be the best men and women that they can eventually be. And then you take it a step further when you add the church element in it, the God element in it, the best Christ followers that they can be. And so that was something that I was kind of reminded about with this, like when, when we're teaching our kids to obey. Do you, do you pray for your kids? Do you pray for kids? If you don't have kids, again, do, then do you pray for your parents? We're all somebody's kid, right? Do you pray for your parents? Or if you've got kids around you, if you're an auntie, if you're an uncle, if you are a grandma, a grandpa, you know, um, you've got kids around you somewhere, do you, do you pray for those kids? It's so important to pray for our young people today on a continual basis. Do you pray for your kids? I know my, my wife and I, um, we, we pray with our kids at least twice a day. Most of the time, we, we don't forget that. Sometimes we forget. But for, but for the most part, on the way to school, when we're walking to school, we, we just kind of pray over our day. We have a little conversation. And then once we get, you know, two or three blocks away, one of the kids or my wife or myself will just say, hey, okay, let's pray. And we just kind of pray over our day. We pray for our teachers. We pray, pray for school. We pray for safety. We pray for good learning. You know, that kind of stuff. And then at night... When the kids are going to bed, we pray over our kids and thank God for the day and thank God for the different things that he did and, and just pray over our sleep that we'll get good sleep and wake up good and refreshed and the whole bit. Um, praying for our kids is, is so important. And so I would encourage you, parents, if, if you've got kids, pray over your kids. Continually pray over your kids. 
Because what comes out of prayer and, and when you're asking the Lord just to, to help your, your kids go down a path that's right, this is, this is what comes out of it. If my heart is obedient, my actions will follow. This, this whole idea of submission, really, it starts with the heart. I got to speak on this a few weeks ago, this, this idea that the, that the heart and out of the overflow of our heart, hearts, the mouth speaks. See, what's going on inside of my heart, what's going on inside here uh, has a direct correlation to what you're going to see coming out on the outside. If I've got stuff that's gross and not, you know, that's not good stewing inside of me, guess what? That's going to ooze out of me. You're going to see that. You're going to hear that in my words. You're going to see that in my actions. But if I've got good things that are going on inside of me, if I'm trying to continually seek after the Lord and continually seek after his guidance for my life, then you're going to see that overflow out of my life as well. And in that, when you're asking God just to, hey, God, guide and direct me, you're being obedient to his word. You're being obedient to what he's asking you to do as a Christ follower. But here's the thing. Um... Compliance doesn't always equal obedience. These two words are similar, right? But they also, um, they also can be pretty different. So let me, let me explain. Compliance is the act or fact of complying with a wish or a command. Obedience, on the other, side, on the other hand, is, is compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. Do you see the difference there? See, if I comply to your request, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, or, or, that my heart is going to be in it. It doesn't speak to what's going on inside. I might just do it because I have to do it. But it's not, it's a, it's not a heart thing. When I, when I obey a request, on the other hand, my heart is actually submitting to your authority or to another's authority um, in my life. I was at Trader Joe's a few weeks ago. I say that like I only go every—we're there at Trader Joe's like every other day, it seems like— um, we're very European in that regard. Uh, no, we just, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to go into why we go to Trader Joe's so much. We just like Trader Joe's a lot. Um, but I was at Trader Joe's the, uh, a few weeks ago, and, and um, I was looking for sauerkraut, okay? And I know that sounds a little bizarre. We were doing brats, and so I was looking for sauerkraut. It makes sense, right? And so I found an employee in, a, in an area that I thought the sauerkraut possibly would be, and, and he was sitting there, and he was putting the stuff on the shelf. And I asked him, well, hey, man, do you guys sell sauerkraut by any chance? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we totally do. And then he goes back to stock in the shelf. And I'm like, sweet. I'm all cool. Can you kind of help me? Like, I'm, I was looking down this aisle. I thought it might be here. And, you know, can you help me figure out where this is? And, and he goes, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's not here. It's actually over kind of near the meat section and in between the meat and the vegetables. I was like, oh, great, okay, cool. So, like, I walked over to that area, and I'm looking around, and, and I can't find the sauerkraut. And Sure enough, another employee who's kind of doing something in the, in the vegetable area, like, sees me looking, and he comes over to me, and he's like, hey, can I help you find something? And I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'm looking for sauerkraut. I, f- I heard it was kind of in this area, and he goes, oh, dude, we make the best sauerkraut here ever. It's got those little Persian pickles in it, you know, and so it's like the sauerkraut and the Persian pickles, and it's got this little spicy bite to it. This is some of the best sauerkraut you're going to ever want. Let me show you exactly where it is. And he pulls it off the shelf, and he hands it to me. He's like, maybe you want to take two because it's so good. You're just going to eat it by the, by the forkful, and I'm like, okay, I, I get it. You really like the sauerkraut, right? <clears throat> but, but, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The first employee was super, like, I mean, he was sort of helpful, but not super helpful, right? And he was just kind of complying with his job. Yeah, I'll kind of tell you where it is, but my heart's not in it. The second guy, he was actually being obedient to the mission of Trader Joe's, to helping the customer find the product that they need, to helping the customer, um, you know, make, make sure that the customer's shopping bag is full of the stuff that, that, that I needed. 
And, and, and you, could see, you could just tell his passion about sauerkraut. I mean, it was like, wow, it was, it was really cool. But, uh, you know, it was, he was being obedient again to the mission of, of Trader Joe's. And then even going back to what I was saying earlier about the obligation versus opportunity, the first employee saw what I was asking for as just an obligation. I'll just tell you where it is. My heart's not in it. The second one, though, took the opportunity to tell me how much I was going to like that sauerkraut, you know, and really just expand on, on, on that. It was an opportunity for him to share. And, and I could tell from his heart, I could tell from just that interaction that, man, he really enjoyed his job. He really enjoyed what he was getting to do. And for me, it was a good reminder when people ask me to do something, do I look at it as an obligation or do I look, like, I look at it as, as um, an opportunity? When people come to me and they want my help for something, do I look at it as an obligation or an opportunity? And especially when it comes to our kids or our parents. Are we treating our kids as, as obligations? Are we treating our parents as obligations? Or are we treating them as opportunities? Jesus spoke about this in, in the book of Mark. It says, these people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. See, in this passage, Jesus was being questioned by the religious leaders at the time. And what they were questioning Jesus on was because they, they watched his disciples go and, and, and not go through the pre-meal washing or hand-washing ritual that they were supposed to go. It was in the law. It was in the law of the Old Testament. You had this whole ritual. You couldn't just go to the sink and wash your hands. I guess it wouldn't have been a sink back there, the bowl, and wash your hands, right? You had to go through this whole ritual, and the disciples didn't do that. And so they were calling out Jesus on it, and Jesus flipped it around on them and said, Listen, I'm going to call you out actually on your garbage, See, those religious leaders, they, they knew all the right things to say. They knew the, the law very well, but that's where it stopped. It was up here. It wasn't in here. See, they used the law to dictate their way and to get what they wanted, not what God truly wanted for his people through the law. See, they were simply complying to the law because it was the thing to do. It was what they had studied to do. It was what they were trained to do. It was the popular thing to do, not because they were truly submitting to God and his law and his rule over their lives and in their hearts. And in doing so, they weren't even trying to truly honor God. And Jesus called them on it. See, obedience from the heart is the best way to honor our parents. Ultimately, as kids, we should, we should want to honor our parents. I know I didn't understand that completely growing up. Um, the whole idea of honoring my parents, probably, you know, in middle school and high school, wasn't on the forefront of my mind. It was more like, um, is my hair going to look right this morning, right? And I know I don't have a lot of hair now, but I did back in the day. I actually had this awesome little wave thing. I'm, I'm probably partially to blame for the ozone because I used so much Aquanet hairspray on my hair. I had a, I'm going to totally pull the curtain back. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Um, I had a hairdryer and I had a curling iron to get the perfect wave in my hair. And then by the time I was done spraying my hair with all this Aquanet, it was a helmet. Like it was a better helmet than any bike helmet or skateboard helmet you could possibly imagine. Like, right? So that was kind of on the forefront of my mind, all right? My priorities were way off as a, little, as a middle schooler or a high schooler. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking about honoring my parents. But I think subconsciously, because of the way that my parents raised me, I think I honored them most of the time. And I, and I say most of the time because there were a few times where I definitely dishonored my parents. I definitely did things 
acted in ways, made decisions that didn't honor my parents. I know I've, I've shared with you before, and if you haven't heard this, like I did some things in high school and then a little bit in college that just were just were bonehead you know, high school moves. Got myself kicked out of high school, um, had to go to a different high school, things like that. Like I, I was not honoring my parents in the way my parents had, had raised me. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, that even though I made some of those poor decisions, I always had the foundation, the foundation that they had taught me. See, they taught me to know the difference between right and wrong. They taught me and they showed me what it meant to be a hard worker. My parents are two of the hardest working people you're ever going to want to meet. They really are. Even, even in retirement, they work incredibly hard to just make sure that other people have just a better life. Everybody that comes, uh, that's around them, um, they try really hard to just, just make sure that their lives are better. They taught me and they showed me what it meant, uh, or sorry, the importance of respect and treating each other uh, with, with love and with, with kindness and respect. Um, and, and, and even in the way that, that I'm living my life now as an adult, in a lot of ways, I think it, it, honors, it honors my parents and the way that they raised me. And I can take it a step further. We try to honor, my wife and I try to honor our parents by raising our kids in such a way that we take the good things that they taught us and we instill those in our kids' lives. We can also <laughs> honor our parents by taking the less than flattering moments our parents had, right? And those, those moments where they were not prized parents, they were, you know, little like, oops, we shouldn't have done that sort of moments. And we, we kind of, we make sure we learn from those mistakes. We can honor our parents by learning from their mistakes and not putting those things into the place or into the, into the lives of our, of our own kids. See, that's legacy. That's legacy. That's the good. That's the bad. And how do we take the good and we make it better in our kids' lives? And then how do we learn from the bad or the mistakes and make sure that we don't make those same mistakes with our kids? That's honoring. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Now, it's important to point out here that honoring is not limited to when they deserve it. Right? We don't honor our parents when they deserve it. Or if you just like, if you like your parents. Or even, um, you know, you honor your parents only when you're a minor, only when you're living under their roof, right? This command seems to have no expiration date. This is something we're called to do for a lifetime. And all of us, whether we have kids or not, we are all someone's child, right? We're all someone's kid. And if our parents are still around, we for sure can honor um, our parents as adults. And if they're not around then we can honor our parents' memories. We can honor the things that they taught us by instilling that in the next generation. See, honoring my parents positions me to be blessed in my future. Paul goes on to write that um, in Ephesians... Uh, oops, I'm going too far. Sorry. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is about having long-term perspective and viewing our children's lives as a whole. See, God is concerned about our kids' future. Guess what? God is concerned about your future, and he wants what's good for them. He wants what's good for you, and we should be concerned about that as well. See, when, when we have this perspective, it enables us to make hard decisions, You've probably heard parents say, or maybe you've said it yourself, or you've had it said to you when you have to discipline a child, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, 
right? And I can remember as a child, as I heard, if, if, as I heard that, thinking, there is no way that this hurts you more than this hurts me. This spanking hurts pretty bad. Yeah, we got spankings back in the day, okay? I know they're taboo now, but we got spankings back in the day. Um, or this, you know, uh, this restriction or getting these things taken away. No, there's no way that this hurts you more than this hurts me. I'm hurting pretty bad right now, right? As a, you know, whatever, as a kid. But as an adult, as an adult, oh gosh, I understand that saying. I hate to discipline my kids. It is heart-wrenching when I see my kids make a mistake and I've got to discipline them. I hate that. But, but it is so necessary because ultimately I want my kiddos to grow up to be good human beings. I want them to treat each other and, and other people around them with kindness and respect and love. I want them to know the difference between right and wrong. I want them to know how to make good choices. And more than anything, I want them to know what it looks like to follow Jesus with all of their hearts, with all of their souls, and with all of their minds. So that means at times I'm going to have to discipline them to help them get to a place where they understand those things and make those, those choices. See, with requirements, though, that our kids obey and honor our parents, it would be easy for parents to become strict. It would be easy for, for us to, to, to be this domineering tyrant who demands obedience uh, first time every time. But I'm pretty sure that's not always the answer. And actually, Scripture tempers that in, in, in verse 4. So parents, God directs you to encourage your kids to become people God designed them to be. The end of, of this little passage that we're looking at this, this morning, it says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. This is not just a message to dad. This is just in the, in the context of where this was written and in the society of which this was written. Um, the, the speakers mostly just spoke to, to men, but this is men and women. This is mothers and fathers. Don't exasperate your children. Paul, he says it another way in Colossians. Fathers, don't embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. See, if we want our kids to, in general, grow up to be everything that God designed them to be, then we've got to encourage them, and we've got to teach them to know how much God loves them. And whether you're a mom or a dad, or an auntie or an uncle, or a grandma or a grandpa, or you've got kids around you, that's your call. That is, that is I, I feel like that is something that God puts in, in all of us and puts on all of us to help raise those kids to know how much God loved them or loves them and wants what's best for them. For our family, again, I believe that starts with, with prayer and praying for our kids. My son, I, you know, I told you about him earlier, the little blonde guy. He's 10 years old. He's in fifth grade here at this school. And honestly, he's, he's such a good kid. And I'm not just saying that because he's my son. He is. He's a, he's a good kid. He's got a heart that is so tender at times. And you go, oh my gosh, like, what is that about? Like, he just loves people, and he, he gets along really well with people. But there are times, there are times that Ole will do something or he'll say something. And, and honestly, it makes me scratch my head because it's out of character for him. And it's like, well, I know this kid. I know his heart. And when he does something out of character, I start questioning my own parenting. I, I, you know, do I need to do something different? But it's in those moments that I have a decision to make. Essentially, how do I encourage him to do things differently next time? To make a different or a better decision next time without totally crushing him into submission. Because which is adults, you know, we could do that, right? 
We've got, a, you know, a, a bigger, broader vocabulary. And, and just even with our size, we can totally crush our kids into submission. But I'm not sure that that's the right thing to do. See, with Oli, I had to realize and I had to understand, I had to learn that he's a processor. That he's a processor. He's got to work stuff out in his mind. He's got to work stuff out in his heart. And I'll tell you what, honestly, with this kid, nine times out of ten, he figures it out himself, how to make a better decision. And if he can't figure it out, then he comes to us and he asks us for help making a better decision. But if I force him to get to the right decision too quickly because it's the right thing to do and dadgummit, you're going to submit to my authority because I love you? I'm not sure that that's what he learns from that. And I'm definitely not sure if he's going to hear that I actually do love him and actually do want what's best for him when I treat him that way. In fact, probably what he does learn from that is that he can't go to his dad. And he can't talk to his dad because he fears my reaction. I don't want that. I want to understand my kid. And so that's, that's something that, that I would encourage parents, and if you're thinking about being a parent someday or whatever, parents, become students of your, of your children. Become students of your children. Know what makes them tick. Figure out what their love language is. See what encourages them. See what discourages them. Know your kids. Get to, I'm not talking about just schlepping kids back and forth to soccer and whatever. Like I'm talking about really get to know your kids. Understand what makes them tick. And on the other side of that, if you don't have kids, again, we're all someone's kids, do that same thing for your parents. What does it mean to honor your parents? What does it mean to, you know, what, what, what's your parents' love language? What is it that, that, that you see in your parents that you want to, you know, grab, take with you and put and still in your own life? You know, be a student of your parents. Because doing both of those things will lead to healthy submission. But there are definitely ways that we can frustrate our kids. And so um, just came up with a few of these that I just want to share with you here. Maybe just as, as examples of, of things that we should probably try to avoid in our lives if we're, you know, trying to encourage our kids rather than frustrate them. You know, asking our children to do as I say, or no, to do as we say and not as we do, right? So um, there are no, there's no swearing in this house. Uh, but dad, like I hear you say bad words, right? I'm talking about another family, not my family. I'm just, this is an example from somebody else, of course. Like this is like, that, yeah, um, you know, asking our kids to do as we say and not as we do. I don't swear much around my, my kids um, or anybody on the golf course or surfing or anything. Um, or being a friend instead of a parent, therefore creating insecurity in, in children. Being inconsistent with expectations. Maybe it's being overly harsh with discipline. Being rude or disrespectful in our tone of voice or choice of words. There are all ways we can frustrate our kids, expecting them to behave in a way that they aren't capable of developmentally. I know um, when I was a middle school pastor, I'd have parents of middle schoolers come to me and they would be like, what is going on with my kid? I thought I knew this kid and now my kid is a spaz. Like he's just totally out of control and I don't know what's going on and he's, he or she is saying things, they're doing things, like what is happening? And I would, I would try to encourage parents with this. Remember what it was like for you in middle school. Take a moment away from your middle schooler and remember what it was like. Do that now. Like you all sitting here. Remember what it was like to be in middle school. 
And for some of us, it's, it's, um, we had really bad hair and, and even worse clo- clothing choices, right? So these memories, are, they're not necessarily positive. But think about what was going on uh, in middle school, just with, with you and all the changes that you were going through. Your body was going through changes. As guys, it's like, oh my gosh, my voice is cracking, and I've got hair in places I didn't ever have hair before. You know, girls, things are growing, and it's like, where, where did these come from, right? And there's all these hormones and all these things that are changing inside of our bodies, the way that God designed them, but man, it's confusing. And so remember that. As a parent, remember that. And, and I, I, would, I would encourage parents with this too. I would think back on when I was in middle school and I was an idiot most of the time. I don't know why my parents didn't just lock me in a closet until I was 18, really, at sometimes. I don't even know how I survived half the time, right? Some of the choices that I made. But see, that's the thing that I would try to encourage parents with is your student is going through those same things. And in fact... I would say probably what your student is experiencing right now is even worse than you, what you experienced. Because you've got things like social media and you've got things like, you know, everything is so accessible. It's right there. It's a phone click away. I know when I was a, when I was a high school pastor, I, I took over for a high school group that was, um, that was really struggling at the time. And I remember one of the first meetings that I had with all the high school students, I noticed that on some of the kids' arms, there were these cut marks. And I went to one of the staff after the first meeting and said, you know, what, what, what's that all about? Are they trying to, like, trying to kill themselves? Like, what's... And the staff said, no. Those students, that student right there, and he pointed to one girl in particular, she just wants to feel something in her life. She doesn't feel anything. Her parents' situation is horribleness, and, and she, you know, went on to just explain this, this poor, this poor kid's story. And so she cuts herself because she wants to feel something. That pain, I can feel something when everything else is hollow and empty. And I think about that with our young people. That's what our young people are, are growing up in. That's what our young people are having to deal with on a, on a regular basis. See, in a lot of ways, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, any kid at any age, they're not capable of conforming to the behavior to meet our demands. They're still developing. That's why we as parents, we as a community, we as a tribe need to help our kids understand how much God loves them first and foremost. And then come alongside of them as they get older and help them grow. Because see, what we model matters. Whether you have kids or not, kids are looking at you. I told you about my son, Oli, like he is constantly looking at other people, adults especially, and he'll point things out to me, and I'm like, oh, dude, I wish you hadn't seen that right there, you know, or I wish you hadn't overheard that, what that adult said. Like, what we model matters, because see, it's important to remember that we are not called to raise boys and girls. We are called to raise men and women, and I'll take it a step further. As Christ followers, we're called to raise up godly men and godly women. The last part of this passage we're looking at this morning. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Training. It takes time. And in our instant culture, it's somewhat foreign to actually train for something, to actually work for something. We need a plan for training our kids. We need a plan um, that accounts, that, you know, that, that we can train our kids up for the various seasons and growth phases and de- de- developmental stages that they're going to be going through. 
And while we may delegate our, our, our kids' education to public or private school systems, and, and we might enlist the help of the church to come alongside them and teach them biblical uh, principles, parents, we're still in charge of our kids' education. We're still in charge of the spiritual training, and we can't abandon that. We can't abandon that. The writer of Proverbs said, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. I, I mentioned that before. Even though I made mistakes growing up, I had the foundation that my parents had laid for me. And I always came back around. Always came back around to that foundation and those godly promises. And it's important to remember that Proverbs are not necessarily pro- promises. See, training looks different in different seasons. At younger ages, it's more directive and, and controlling, real honestly. It's, it's, it's a safety thing. And then as our, our kids get older, it's got to morph into more of a coaching role. How can I develop you? How can I help you see your potential? How can I encourage you to be the best that you can be? And, and the, the idea of this, that, that Proverbs are not promises, I've seen a lot of parents, myself included, who do like an amazing job of being a parent, and yet their kids still do, you know, all sorts of wacky things. It happens. But that's why it's so important to pray for our kids. That's why it's so important to surround our kids with people who are going to influence them in a, in a godly way. So parents, what can you do to not just order or command your kids, but actually disciple and develop them? You know, Donnie, um, he, he's actually, he's got some great resources for parents. In fact, the take-home sheet that, that he has that he provides you with every, every week, he, he's got the take-home sheet that you can totally take, and, and, and it's going to tell you everything that your, your kid learned in Sunday school. And actually, it's got ways for you to even interact and bring that, that message back during the week, whether you're on your way to soccer practice or on the dinner table or whatever. Like those take-home sheets, take them home and actually look at them. Don't just throw them in the recycle bin like we do a lot of times. Like, take them home and look at them. You can use them all week long. Also, um, as, a, as a sermon team this week, we were, we were looking at um, just some stuff on Right Now Media, right? If you don't have an account to Right Now Media, I can get you one for free. It's something that our church bought into, New Break as a whole bought into uh, at the beginning of this year, and it's awesome. And this one in particular by, by Paul David uh, Tripp on, on parenting. Man, go take a look at this. It's six little, little snippets of videos that will, that will absolutely give you some tools and resources to help you as a parent. And then kids. Again, we're all somebody's kids. We're all somebody's kids. What can we do at whatever age to honor our parents? Right? Is it calling home more? Is it sending more photos? Is it helping them out more? Is it making them more of a priority around the holidays? Is it praying for them more? I'd say probably all of those things are ways that we can still honor our parents. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this message, it was one of those things where, like, I feel like I always get the messages. I always have to preach on the messages that, like, I need to work on in my life, right? Like, I think I've told you that before. And, it's, and, I, and there were times this week where I felt like a failure. As a parent, I felt like I was ashamed of how I'd, I'd raised my kids at some times, at certain times in my life. And actually, I felt like a failure sometimes too, even as a son, of the things I was reminded of, like that I had in my past, right? And I hadn't lived these verses out. But here's the thing we confess that before God and we receive His grace fully. I want you to remember this, and this is super important. 
If you take nothing else away from this, take this away this morning. That we are flawed people, and we're trying to raise flawed kids, and we were raised by flawed parents. And it's in that, when we look at it that way, that then we're reminded of God's grace. That then we're reminded of God's kindness and his mercy. And we can release that shame and we can move on because we realize it's not too late to honor our parents and it's not too late to honor ultimately God when we do that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time of just getting to uh, look into your word and, and, and talk about this this whole, this whole idea of, of parents and, and kids and what it looks like to be a parent, what it looks like to be a good kid. God, we, we know that we can't do this on our own. God, we know that we're flawed. We know that we've got things in our, in our lives and the way that we raise our kids and the way that we, we treat our parents that, that, we, shouldn't, that, that we shouldn't do it that way. So God, please just allow us to know God, what it looks like to honor our kids, what it looks like to honor our parents. God, even today, as we leave this place, maybe just give us opportunity to honor our parents. Give us opportunity maybe just to to get to know our kids a little bit better. God, when 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 we look at the example of you and, and your son, Jesus Christ, and how much you loved your son. And you gave everything for him, Lord. In return, he gave everything for you and for us. So may we be the people that, that does the same. Thank you for that example. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And these things we ask and pray in your son's name, amen.